This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. So let's, we're holding Perik Beis, let's see Allah Yud. I think we might have gone over a little quickly last time. HaKadosh Baruch Hu makir amito v'yodea oisa kemoishihi. HaKadosh Baruch Hu recognizes his own existence, understands it the way it is. In other words, I just started. You need me there for more? Okay, so, so, so I'm going to interrupt a minute. I'm sorry. Okay, interruption. Okay, good. So, um, we, so it says like this. Everything HaKadosh Baruch Hu is knows it all. This is a point that we actually spoke about this. Now I see the word chai and chai. So, so let's go on to Yudalaf. That's where we're holding probably. Okay. The things that I've mentioned now, like a drop in the bucket. Really, there's a lot more that needs to be explained. Now, the, the Rambam, the, 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 the source that there is a part of the Torah that is a secret is a Mishnah and Chagiga. The Mishnah and Chagiga says as follows You do not teach the laws of marriage and divorce and people you're not allowed to marry and so on to three people at a time. Why? Because when you teach a group of three people, two of them could be schmoozing with each other, and then, and you're talking to the third one, those two people that are schmoozing are not going to know what you said. They misunderstand it. These are very important laws. So you need to keep it to two people at a time. Then it says, you cannot teach ma'asabracious. Ma'asabracious means the, 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 um, the events or the, the, the um, information about creation to two people, only to one person at a time. And then there's something called ma'asamerkava, which means the chariot of God, to even one person you can't teach it. What you do is you find a wise person and you give him clues until he's able to understand it himself. That's the way the Mishnah explains it. So that means there are two areas in, in, of knowledge, of divine, of theology, that are called secret. They're called things you're not allowed to teach others except very privately. One is called Masabracious, one is called Maisamarkava. Maisabracious seems to be lower on totem pole, and Maisamarkava is higher. Literally, Maisamarkava means about the chariot, and it nominally would refer to Ezekiel and the entire chariot and so on. That's the nominal uh, 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 meaning of it. The Rambam has a unique understanding, but let's see. He says, the things I've explained to you in these two chapters is called is that which is called Merkava. The, the knowledge about the chariot of God, it's the innermost secret, it's the theology that deals with God and the angels and things like that, and that's something that I really am not going to explain to you, because you're not allowed to explain to you. Um, Yud Beis, and he says that, Tzivu Chacham Elu, You're only allowed to teach one person, 
he needs to be wise, understands himself. You give him over just kind of the chapter heads, the 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 You tell him a drop of it. He understands himself. And he gets the whole picture by himself. Um, they're very deep and not every person can really understand it Shlomo Malach said in his wisdom he used, he used a parable these are hidden things to wear things that are very very hidden that that's what you should wear as a garment you should keep him for yourself don't teach him to many people and he says another verse for you not for a stranger that honey and milk should be under your tongue those things are like honey and milk. You will tell Shana should be on your tongue. That's the that's the premise. Let's discuss and let's let's understand a little bit. The Ramam is saying there are hidden areas of Torah. They should be taught to one person at a time and not in an overt way, but in a veiled way, and and with hints. And the person needs to understand himself. What's the point? Why? Um, you know, so, so people have imagined over the years that there's this and, and, and that there's this deep dark secrets about God, about the world that you can't let it out because it's dangerous. Either because it's it's like some weak points of God, some mysterious formula that you can say and boom, the whole world will explode and this and that. It's obviously trash, all that. It's, it's the type of thing that when you have a poor mind and, and a childish imagination, that's, that's the type of stuff you come off. It's good for the movies. Not, not a great movie either. It's, you know, it's kind of the, you know, you know the abracadabra to say it. What is it about? So, so let's, let's understand it the way the Rambam understood it. Um, and in a certain sense, th- these are... What is meant by this secret? The Rambam had one picture. The later Kabbalists had another picture. The, the Rambam's picture comes from philosophy, self-thought, taught and thought philosophy. The um, others understood it as, as um, referring to Kabbalah, and that's the common understanding. But the reason behind keeping it private is the same for both. And I want to discuss two levels of why it needs to be kept, quote-unquote, secret, private, not publicly disseminated. One reason, and this is a reason that's common to the Kabbalists, and it's common to the Rambam, to Maimonides. Um, You're treading here a fine line between um, a deep understanding and idolatry. For instance, let's give an example. I, when, I, when I talk about something, I need a set of terms. For instance, let's say you ever hear a teenager coming and describing, I don't know, an event they were to, a concert, a, a happening event. And the, and, and the typical teenager will describe it, oh, it was 
awesome. It was fantabulous. It's incomparable. And a half hour of these type of descriptions, which leaves you not much wiser at the end of the process than the beginning of the process. And, you know, when somebody tells you it's absolutely impossible to describe, it's just something out of this world, is that, those, those, that doesn't, you're not wiser at the end of the process than the beginning of the process. So if God is unknowable, unthinkable, ungraspable, etc., etc., then what are we wasting our time for? Then obviously we have nothing to discuss. Um, so it's true that God himself is unthinkable, ungraspable, etc., but God's relationship with the world does have a certain, um, it can be described, can be grasped. You know, it's like the invisible man I, I can't grasp him when he's invisible, but I can grasp him as he interacts, as, as, he, as he walks someplace and I, see, and I see him making a path through something. I see him wearing a garment, so I can, I, I can describe So I can discuss God, but the more, so when I talk about the events that happened in this world, we were slaves in Egypt, and, 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 and God made miracles and took us out, I can talk about that. That, that is, obviously. When I try to go to a final level, of God's interaction with the world, I begin to talk about things that are more and more abstract. Just like when I speak about the world, I describe nature, I describe the laws of physics, and I describe the math behind the laws, and maybe the philosophy behind the math, I'm going high, more and more abstract levels, closer to the root of it, and less and less physical. So I start running into problems of I'm talking about things that I'm really beginning to, just like when I talk about quantum physics, I talk about things that are hard to box into any particular corner. Um, I'm talking about things that are very, very hard to pin down, but yet they're real. And I don't know how to go about it. So um, how do I go about it? Now, the... the um, so, for instance, the Kabbalah speaks about God's right and left. God has no right, God has no left. But I need those terms. And, and right and left have a lot of meaning to it. They are exactly the same, but opposite. They, 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 even though they are the same, one side tends to be dominant over the other side. When I take, when I take a person's two left sides and combine it, or two right sides, it's not quite the same person. When I take the left and right and switch them around, it's not quite the same person. That's why a mirror image is never quite exactly, it, it leaves me feeling it's not exactly myself, because it's a mirror image, and so on. So, so, so right and left is very informative, and it's very misleading. When you talk to a lot of people, the vast majority of people are coarse. Coarse in a the sense they don't have a fine enough um, thought process to be able to discern the kernel of understanding from the chaff of, of the picture. So for most people when I speak about God's right and left, they actually visualize a right and a left, which means basically for them God is a little idle. Um, when I talk about God's right hand, when I talk about God's hands, uh, or God's footsteps, I am actually making them into idol worshippers instead of integrating deep knowledge. So, so we have here a very, very fine balance. Until a person is not 
until a person's mind is not fine enough to be able to keep separating abstract concepts and ideas out of physical, tangible terminology and, and illustrations, I'm doing the person a disservice by talking about it. So therefore, we made our, a big gate around it, big fence, and said, keep out. It, there's nothing wrong with saying God is the great God, the invisible, indivisible God, who took us out of Egypt and helped us in times of plight, and so on and so forth. You need not to do more than that. For the rare person who understands more than that, we can go into in much further, but I want a gate to keep everybody out. That's why we keep everybody out, because since you need a very fine understanding, we're going to, we're going to dilute his, his faith instead of in any way sharpening it. Um, it's like, you know, somebody tells you, if you, you know, if you want to take a chance, I can fine-tune your eyes with a laser treatment, but I might botch it completely. So a person who's a badass will say, you know what, um, I think I'll, I'll do okay with 40-20 vision instead of trying 20-20 vision and maybe instead going to 100-20 vision. I'm, I'd rather take my chances. So, so it's wise to do that. This understanding of, of why it's kept secret is, is correct both in Maimonides and it's correct in the Kabbalists. They both will, 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 um, will believe the same way and that's fine. There's another explanation to this phenomena of keeping it secret for one only. And this is actually, this is going to, um, the Maral says it, and this probably works better in the Kabbalists than it works for, for the Rambam. And the Maral explains as follows. Let's give an example. Imagine that I am trying to describe to you, you're, I'm a car mechanic, and I'm teaching you car mechanics. So I can tell you, Rabbi Isai, a car needs X, Y, or Z. If it's not going to have X, this is going to happen. If it's not going to have Y, this is going to happen. If it's not going to have Z, this is going to happen. If X is broken, A is the way to fix it. If Y is broken, B is the way to fix it, and so on. That is universal. Every place, anywhere, it's objective. It can be translated to words. Those words can be put on a disk. And it's universally correct. Let's say I'm teaching you art. Imagine I'm the teenager. I'm the adult teenager trying to describe to you why this particular music is powerful. I'm teaching what's called art appreciation or music appreciation. I can't describe it really in words, but what I can do is I can take you by your arm and say, listen to this music, pay attention to this particular bar, and get a sense of it. What feeling is it evoking in you? Now, let me play this bar, and let me play the sequel, and get a sense of how the sequel is bringing out something, or bringing a certain, a certain tension to rest. The end result of it, you will feel it differently than I will, and you will feel it differently than I will, but I can point you in the direction for you to feel that way. So the understanding at a certain level becomes individual, indescribable but what I can do for you is I can direct you in, in, the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the path that will evoke that understanding of you. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, um, it's, it's an understanding that is, is going to take you someplace but I will never give you the understanding. 
In other words, the Mishnah describes this understanding as being something that you tell it only to a wise person who understands himself. And what I'm giving you is actually just the headings, the chapter headings, rather than the material itself. Not because it's, it's dangerous and unless you figure it out yourself, it's much deeper than that. Anything more than the chapter headings is not really communicable. I, can't, I can share with you the knowledge of what happens when the car runs out of gas, or if it's not oiled, or what to oil, when to oil, that's communicable. I can't share with you the feelings of what symmetry evokes in a person. I can only point you and say, listen, here you have a picture where symmetry is perfect, here you have a picture where I've tilted it this way, I've tilted it that way, I've tilted it the other way. Get a sense yourself, what do you feel here, what do you feel here, what do you feel here? The understanding of these areas are the step beyond words and so on. I want to explain why. There's a depth to it. Hashem created the world in a way that there are things that have garments, so to speak, to display it in. Those garments are appropriate Torah that displays these deep concepts. Those garments on a personal level are words that I can dress up thoughts with. So certain ideas can be presented because the, the because God gave us the, the packaging to present it in. So where God gave us an open Torah, that level of understanding means there are words to present it in our world with. Walking in this world, there are many things we can we can present. Pesach God took us out of Egypt. Pesach treat matzah. Matzah is plain bread, not risen. Murr is bitter herbs. When you eat it, you're bringing yourself a memory of going out of Egypt. All of those words and concrete terms project a reality that was given. But then there are things that don't have that. Parallel to that is, there are ideas and concepts that I can give appropriate illustrations to present it in. And, when I, and my words really, really contain the information you need. There are those areas that God never let it come down so low. All I can do is I can give you words and ideas that will stimulate your imagination in the right direction. I can point you so that your individual understanding will be appropriate. But it will be individual to you, individual to you, individual to you. And that's really, that's the way Maral explains that Mishnah. That's why, so, so Maisa, Maisa Bracious and Maisa, um, and Maisa Merkava represents those two elements. Um, and and uh, the Kabbalists understand it as two levels of Kabbalah. The Rambam understands it differently. And let's just a word about how the Rambam understands it. The Rambam understands Maitz Merkava, what he said before, which is the basic theology and philosophy of God, what God is, the angels, and so on. The the um, the the. The Rambam does digress very strongly as regards Maisa Bracious. Maisa Bracious, the Rambam says, are the workings of nature. What we would call science. Um, and in the next two chapters, the Rambam gives a basic outline of science. Now, 
it seems very, very, very strange to us. Science, the way we understand it, is not something that's theological in any sense of the word. It's not something that the masses need to keep, be kept away from. They keep away on their own from science. The, 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 you know, the, the science is not a popular course anymore. So, so what's the what's the? It, it's it's very strange. The Rambam seems to say, "Mysebracious are those um, are those understandings." Of, of of nature and and, he, and, in, and in chapter three we're going to skim through it very lightly. That's what he seems to be saying. So I want to offer two explanations of it, and 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 those explanations actually could have dovetailed. The distinction between philosophy and science, between a BA and a BS, is a recent phenomenon. Until a few hundred years ago, everybody was a philosopher, except they were natural philosophers. Aristotle wrote about everything, and to him, how the cat wags its tail was not different than, 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 than what we would call philosophy. It was one and the same. There wasn't any difference. Um, in the in the in the in the um, the Rambam saw it as a continuum. In other words, the highest spheres, the, the, the celestial bodies, such as the moon, the sun, and the planets, were, were, were beings, and they were quasi-spiritual beings, and then they radiated a more physical entities, and so on and so forth. That's, that was the, the mind, that's how he saw it. So for him, it was not so distant from theology, because really, be, behind every physical phenomena, behind every law of physics, there was a formula. Behind every formula was a philosophy. So, so that's how the Ramam saw it, and and there, there wasn't that so that artificial division between the two between the two disciplines. The um, that's one, two. The um, the Ran d- explains that the Rambam wasn't so involved with the, 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 the really the physical, but more what does it represent? Everything that God made in this world follows a pattern that, that fits his inner meaning of it. In other words, it's it just like when, 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 when a guy sets a stage. Imagine somebody is putting on a show. So I asked the guy, how come on the stage they have a couch, two chairs on either side, and the big lamp in the middle. So one guy would say, well, I guess what they, that's what they found in the, in the back of the stage, so they put it on. That's obviously a stupid answer. Might be right, but it's not, not the right answer. The right answer is, he's trying to convey a certain scene. And for that scene, he needs a couch, and the lamp should be by this guy, and the chair should be over here, and this and that. The, 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 the pieces are there for a reason. When we look around the world, by, you know, ecologically, God could have created the world in many, many ways, in infinite amount of ways. It stands to reason that the different pieces in the set are there to convey some inner meaning. And what happened? You got, you got ink or not? Did you get ink from someplace? Okay, good. You should be able to He's teaching Reverend Linus here. Okay, so so the the ability to to um, so looking at the world around us at nature, one would assume that 
they represent something behind it. And if there's birds and fish and animals on the land, those, there's obviously a reason why some creatures inhabit the air, some the land, some the sea. It, I mean, it, it, since we don't believe in evolution as being the reason for everything, the reason is they represent something. There, 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 is, there is something to be said about the air, there's something to be said about the land, something to be said about the fish, and so on. So, so the Ram's direction in, in, this, in the Rambam, whether it's exactly what I meant or not, is probably the one we're most comfortable with in the sense that it represents something deeper than just pure science that has science as, as, as the enemy. Okay, we'll hold it here. So this is the end of the second chapter. We will next time, it will be, it'll be a while till we meet next time, we'll, we'll, the Rambam skims, will skim through the Rambam's understanding. I mean, obviously, the third, the third um, chapter is not that relevant. He, he, he gives a physical sketch of the world the way he understood it, it doesn't always, um, it's not always the way we today understand it, but we'll try to point out if there's something there especially um, important or, or, or more related to general philosophy. But that's how, that's how so Ramam says, I am just printing these four chapters so I give you a sketch of things, but not the thing itself. You cannot give the thing itself, you don't want to give the thing itself. Okay, any questions, any points? Good. So, Chakash um, Vesameach. I assume next week is not going to be a class. The week after won't be a class. Following Passover, I think we are here next week. What? You might be here next week. Okay. Um, okay. If I'm here, we'll we'll we'll, we'll go. Um, the week after Passover, I certainly will not. I have a wedding in Chicago, so I'm not going to be here. So we'll take. So if you're here next week, Bez Hashem, I'll I'll, I'll be here. Okay. Good.